You're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show. This is like the sixth take. I don't know. (laughs) This is the technical issue episode. It paused a second for... On the... um... Yeah, just keep going. Okay. All right. Well, we're having some audio issues, so hopefully this works out. Um, it is episode 93. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she sounds like Wolfman Jack. <laughs> I expect you to introduce the 70s 8-track right, right about now. One of these times, we'll do the whole podcast and like just personas. Like, you could be Arnold and I could be Wolfman Jack and we just do the whole thing no, like that. No, no, no. I'm Uhtred from The Last Kingdom because <laughs> I have absorbed that dialect from watching the show like we finished it now, yeah. all four seasons. Yeah, great show, fun. I don't know. Is everybody else like binge watching stuff? I feel like I, I say we watch these series, and it sounds like we watch TV all the time, but it's just really we invest like the couple of hours, maybe in the evening. You know? Yeah. No, we like have a, a so we, we have a set of time uh, side time. Like, okay, this is when we we you know watch shows. We become mindless. We become mindless. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we have that like, okay, it can't start before seven. Usually, that's what it is. Yeah, at seven o'clock, I'm like, it's allowed now. We can watch TV. And, and that's for being a little kid is when all the TV shows came on at seven. That's so true. So I'm brainwashed to start watching TV at seven. Brainwashing works. I'm living proof. One hundred percent. We were watching something though while we were drinking our coffee earlier that you you were you had pulled up on YouTube about basically that very thing. Oh yeah, a friend of ours named uh, Frank Alvarez posted a link to a BBC documentary on YouTube, and it's all about propaganda, like how it started, where it came from, and what's funny is they originally called it propaganda, and that had a negative connotation, so they changed it to uh, public relations. And that's so strange. And that's exactly what they do. One of the first things that comes up is how they convince women to start smoking. And oh, and so that was crazy. that was an experiment. They did this on purpose. They wanted to see if they can make women smoke, and they did. Yeah, because in that documentary, they were just saying how it was a stigma for women to smoke in public. Like it was like looked down upon. And this is like right before the nineteen twenties, and they wanted they were losing half of what they could have been making. In the cigarette industry, so yeah. so the the cigarette industry hired a guy, and um, what's his name, uh, Bernays. Yeah, and he he used a propaganda campaign to get women to smoke, and it worked. And he was the nephew of Sigmund Freud. Yes, yeah, and yeah. he's also the one that made Sigmund Freud famous. And that was crazy, and he used all of his public relations yes skills to do that because he basically just. Figured out how the masses think when they're together and figured out how to get us to want things we don't need. Yep. He is the one that, that started what we call consumerism. He's the one that that instituted it because they say up in the in this documentary that before that, working people only bought what they needed. They didn't they didn't just buy frivolous stuff like we do now. So and they wanted the- to figure out how how do they make people buy things they don't need? And he came up with the, the whole plan. 
So everyone listening right now who's been online shopping throughout this whole pandemic thing, (laughs) and they have like more crap than they know what to do with now because they were just shopping for what they wanted, don't feel bad. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There are forces at work that you don't even know that are making you do things that you don't even know you're doing. I think it's almost been a... Uh, the only part I will say that's been a positive is the fact that I have stayed away from Target and I haven't bought anything really except for food. For the most part, yeah. Besides yeah. buying, well, we had to buy a, I had to buy a converter for the RV that's because still, and we had to. It broke. We had to buy a new igniter for the oven. Did you know that the igniter goes out from overuse? I just want to say that. These are all my man problems. Like, oh, i got to fix that. The oven igniter seems to have gone out from overuse. That's what the (laughs) YouTube was telling me. So I just cooked too much. What? No, here's here's what I believe. It went out because it's a piece of junk. Well, we won't even get started on our Kenmore appliances that have broken a thousand times. Oh, my gosh. But whatever. Um, if you like Kim, we're sorry, but they have been nothing but a nightmare. Nothing but a, well, I won't say it. They've been problematic. Let's say it that way. They have been. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about I think most appliances like that because they build everything cheap now. They just do. Well, and here's the thing. Why did I want those? Because somebody led me to believe on TV that they were magical and that I needed them. Even though I didn't really need them, I just wanted them because they were slick looking and they were pretty. And, and I labeled, bought appliances because they were pretty. It was labeled elite. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so Marketing I got labeling, suckered man. in, man. Yeah. Just sucked in. To well, the so, whole okay. Thing. So that's all the, uh, you know, conspiracy stuff. What are we going to actually talk about today? Well, I colored my hair. Oh, wow. So, (laughs) yesterday, I finally did it. I can't say anything about salons not being open because I had the box of color in there the entire whole pandemic. It was just laziness. Mm -hmm. I just want to throw it out there. I colored my hair. And next, I'll color my hair. No. (laughs) (laughs) But So, we kind of came up with uh, what we wanted to talk about today. And and we're going to cover some some old ground, if you will. Yeah, um... You know, through the pandemic thing or the stay-at-home thing, you know, I don't even know what to call this anymore, a nightmare. Um, People have, some people have, you know, reached out and said they're going to start keto. And with that, you know, that they may have questions. So we thought, you know, what better thing to do maybe right now than kind of go over some keto basics. Because even when you've done it for a long time, it's easy to get off track. It totally is. And there's lots of different ways to start. And that's one of the things that I think that gets people is because you can start by getting rid of stuff or you can start by adding stuff. It really depends on what you want to do. Yeah. Most people are going to have to take stuff out because they're likely eating carbohydrates, which is the big no-no with a keto diet. But then it becomes a little bit confusing for some people because vegetables are a carbohydrate. And if they want to eat vegetables, is that okay? Is that not okay? So a lot of questions pop up for mm-hmm. people who are new to it. Right. So uh, the first question is, if you're going to start keto, like where do you start? What's the f- thing you should focus on? I think the very first thing that I would tell somebody to focus on is cutting back on all added sugars. So when you look at that, and if you're old school to this, you've been doing this for a long time, you know these basics, but the added sugars are one of the first things that you cut out, right? Yeah, no, and if you are old school and you're, you're not new to this, 
um, you probably get asked a lot of how do I start keto. So this is kind of what we're reinforcing. So when you get asked that question, if you're an old school person like us, and, uh, and somebody gets, how do I start keto? You should have a, a one to two sentence response for somebody. Right. And, you know, the, the very first thing is you cut out sh- added sugars. And then from there, you just want to focus on real food. Um, and when someone's starting keto, you know, you just want to focus on all, you know, animal products, whether it's meat, cheese, you know, you have to deal with the sensitivities to food later. We just have to get people on a path of eating the foods that are going to put them in a ketogenic state at first. So animal products, vegetables if they want to, nuts and seeds. Um, And then when it goes from there, the healthy fats, that becomes another real like slippery place for people because a tripping point because they don't really understand what a healthy fat is. That's probably one of the hardest things to explain to someone when you say, hey, you need to really increase your fat. They always come back with a question of like, so so what do I eat? What, what should I add to increase my fat? Right. And so that always falls into that, you know, this is where the sentences get a little longer and you have to look at like, okay, you have to understand that people don't look at that are new. Often they don't look at vegetable oils as a bad thing because again, we talked about marketing. They've been marketed as healthy and that propaganda, that public relation of like, these are low cholesterol. These help fight cholesterol. And that's going to make someone think, oh, those are healthy fats. Right. When in fact, they are very unhealthy fats. And focusing on the healthy fats would be all your animal fats, your coconut oil, um, butter, which is an animal fat, basically. And then um, avocados are a good source of fat for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and adding in butter. Like that's the... Yeah, that's what... It, yeah. I mean, yeah. adding in butter is like one of the easiest things you can do, but but as a kid, we've been taught to not just eat butter. You eat butter by itself a lot. No, so do I. I mean, I eat basically the way I used to eat a hamburger and fries was I needed an equal number of fries for bites of hamburger. <laughs> and now I do that with steak and butter. I need an equal amount of butter and steak in my mouth. At yeah, the same time. And, and that's one of the ways you can make sure you're getting more fat than protein is throwing that butter on whatever meat you're eating. Right. And, you know, still with new people, one of the very first questions that we get is like, you know, when it comes to keto would be after the fats. And that's a little confusing. But then the next question usually is, well, can I have bread? Yes. Can I have bread? What about alcohol? Yeah, bread, alcohol, popcorn, the craziest things will come up that you realize that people really don't understand the difference between proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. And, and, and I'm, I'm not going to say, because that was me. That was all about me. I was nothing more than a calories in, calories out guy forever. I paid no attention to the macros. I didn't know what they were before we started doing this. Right, and I, I know when I would talk to you about a starchy vegetable versus a non-starchy vegetable, you were like glazed over in your eyes. I didn't. Just like, I don't understand what you're talking about. I, I didn't. And, you know, I just never paid attention to it because I didn't care. Right. And then when you start realizing that, you know, when you take these foods out and you feel so much better and your blood sugar regulates and your sleep regulates and your hormones regulate, you start understanding how these foods have an impact on you. But at first for somebody, it's just really important to start pulling out the basic things like, you know, the, I would say the first thing I usually have to tell people is added sugar, 
pull out all breads and all starchy vegetables. And usually I have to start in, in fruits at first. I just have everybody eliminate, eliminate fruits, breads, potatoes. That's pretty simple. And then sugar in general. And um, limit, eliminating those four things at first are really important. Um, I can throw on a fifth, you know, a fifth one, which would be vegetable oils, which, you know, if you say vegetable oil, most everything at the store is going to be labeled vegetable oil, like your corn oil, vegetable oil, Crisco's, margarines, things like that, all kind of fall into that category. But then when you're working with someone, you start realizing how easy it is for labeling to really mess people up. Oh my gosh, labeling is everything when it comes to food. I mean, there's no it's no coincidence that they put vegetables on vegetable oil. Yeah, and it's not and it, all you guys probably know this, but they're not made of any vegetables. They're made of of like seeds and not good seeds, really stinky crappy seeds that are very fragile when uh they're uh near heat and they high heat them to get this oil out. So it's really important to help someone if you're trying to help a new person to understand these oils. Because even though we always say you've got to pull out the sugar, the oils are actually much more damaging. They, they are because, I mean, small amounts of sugar, are your, your system is going to respond. These oils damage people at a DNA level. Which is, yeah, way more than just blood sugar dysregulation. This is like, you know, your DNA is damaged. Your genes are damaged. Right. Your gene expression is changed. This is where diseases are turned on in this environment. Exactly. And that's why we say, you know, uh, you know, the one thing when, when we get in this conversation with somebody there and they get really, they get confused or they just like, I just want something simple. And we say what Melody said earlier, eliminate sugar, eliminate refined, you know, processed industrial seed oil, mm-hmm. like start, right. start right there. That's where you start. And then, and, and that's, if someone does that, they're going to start seeing health benefits very quickly. Right. And then, you know, the basic thing of buy only single ingredient foods, that's one of the easiest ways to go keto very quickly is if you're buying beef and you're buying butter and you're buying an avocado. These things are really easy and you eliminate the fruits for a while just until you really learn what you can and can't have and how your body responds. But it becomes pretty simple to, you know, at first, people that want to eat vegetables, which we're not in that camp anymore, but people that do, it's like if it, it, one good way to explain it is if it grows above ground, typically it's fine. If it grows below the ground, like a potato or a carrot, they're starchier. Those are the ones you avoid. Above ground usually typically has a lot less carbohydrates and it's not going to be a problem. Right. You know, and, and other things is to make a point of make sure someone understands the difference between a low-carb diet and a keto diet. Because, yes, because okay. this is where it gets really confusing, especially from our age group and females. Yep. They fear fat. Because and, and the low-carb diet is not a keto diet. And this is where I see so many people get uh, wrapped around the axle is they'll be like, man, I did that keto diet and it didn't work for me. And then when you talk to them, they didn't do keto. They did low-carb and they did high-protein. And you can't do low-carb, high-protein because they're doing low-fat and they don't even know it. Right. And that's, you know, now some people, there are some people out there in the keto world, and we talked about this last week, that actually promote 
that higher protein, lower fat for people who need to lose quite a lot of weight. But at the same time, it still doesn't work for everyone because when you have that high protein to low fat ratio without the carbohydrates, your energy suffers quite a lot. Right. So you're going to have to have a massive amount of willpower or external stimulants caffeine to keep going because you're going to be so tired so and and that's what we talked about before like that's eating for weight loss not eating for health and and there's a big difference there and you know you have to pick which camp you're in and you know it's 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 the same way for everything you're doing in life you have to pick what path you want to be on um, do you want to be on the weight loss path for a while and try that way of it? Still, you might produce, you're going to produce ketones and you technically will be keto. However, you might find that you're really tired or your hormones suffer. And that's kind of the camp I put myself in for a little while with eating a higher protein ratio than fat and found that my sleep was dysregulated. My hormones were starting to kind of like fluctuate um, in a negative way and mostly I was just tired during the day and then at night I would get the adrenaline surge because my sleep was just all off from having not enough fat to produce the right hormones and that's really what you want is you want fat in your diet so you can produce those good hormones and you can get healthy right and so and that's why we kind of advocate for that you should eat for health and the weight loss will come. Now, it might not come as fast as you like, but this is where you have to have patience because, again, this is people say it all the time, this is a journey. However, there is no end to the journey. It's not over at a certain period of time. You're not going to do it for two or three months and then quit because if you do that, you're going to go back to where you're at, and then what's the purpose of doing it all? Right. You have to have the mindset that this is my journey for the entire life. Like, well, how am I going to treat my body for the rest of my days, that's how you have to approach it. Not a, I'm going to do this for a couple months, lose some weight, and then go back to all my bad habits. Right. And that's something that I always talk with each new client about is that if you're coming into this looking for it to be a couple of months and then you're going to lose this weight and then you're just going to go back to normal, normal was not normal. Normal was very abnormal for a human body. Because the way that we eat in the United States now, um, it's produced a lot of diabetes. And if it was supposed to be okay for the human body, that wouldn't be the case. We're eating a very fad diet in our country. Right. And so when I talk to a client, that's the first thing is like, this is, this is going to be a continuation throughout the years. This isn't going to be over in a couple of months. It's just getting started. Right, and that kind of gets to the why. You know, you can tell someone what to do to start a keto diet, just general guidance, but they have to have a why, and it has to be a strong why of what they're doing. And now they're going to ask you, why is a keto diet healthier than the standard diet? And, you know, that's when you can explain glucose levels. Like, high glucose levels are not healthy for a human body, and that's what causes heart disease. So, now you're going to get into the saturated fat doesn't clog your arteries. It's high glucose levels and sugar that do. And you're going to have to try and get somebody thinking in a different way. Yeah. And, you know, it's it. that's why we do the podcast because we can kind of help try to break it down in, in very simple ways for people to understand. Um, and we just share our journey so that maybe something we've done resonates with you 
or with someone that you're trying to help and you can pass the information along to them. Because I will tell you, like I was fat phobic for a very long time, all, all growing up. I mean, grew up in the era of the era of low fat and um, what was that? Susan Powder. Susan Powder. Stop oh, the insanity. Stop the insanity. I mean, I listened to her on every talk show she came on and I was like, yeah, okay. So no fat. Okay, I got it. And I became really good at avoiding fat, but I also became really good at, you know, developing issues like, you know, PMS and candida and all these different issues. I got really skinny, but I was not healthy, mm-hmm. not healthy at all. And, you know, it's hard to undo that kind of thinking. So you might run into that with people. And sometimes hearing someone else that had to break that and this is beneficial. You know, it's helpful to somebody. Yeah, and if you need, like, when you get here and you need information, like, say, from us, or I mean, reach out, because I, I am I am very, very diligent about saving all the studies that support what we're saying. Yeah, and there's a ton of studies out there. People will tell you that keto is a fad diet and that it's, you know, especially the carnivore diet. They're like, oh, my gosh, that's another level of crazy, and that there's no support out there for it. But there actually is quite a lot, and we try to keep that handy. Steve does a way better job at that than I do. But as somebody starts to ask you questions and you don't have that information, you can always reach out to us. Yeah. I just saw an article this week on some uh, New Zealanders that are on uh, their rugby team. They're all black rugby team. And I don't know who they are because I don't, I don't keep up with rugby, but apparently they're pretty popular there. And um, the article was how they were getting ripped on this radical diet and it was a carnivore diet. <laughs> So, so they're, they're like, hey, they're doing this, but it's radical. It's extreme. It's out of the norm. But is it really? No. I mean, it is to us now, right now. In the past you know, 50 years, we've been pushed high-carb, low-fat diets and stay away from meat because it causes cancer. And then it's all BS. And you're going to have to convince whoever that it is that it's BS. Right. And, you know, I mean, not to take this as any kind of like study or actual fact, but, you know, I mentioned earlier, we were watching that show, The Last Kingdom, and every time the Vikings or, you know, the uh, the Danes rolled into a town, what did they say they needed? Very first thing, besides ale, it was meat. They were like, they all sa- they all said, we need meat, we need meat. And that's, you know kind of a historical significance that these uh, people who fought and who lived during that time, they sur- they really survived on meat yeah, and, and, so, and beer. <laughs> and so people will say like, well, that's just that's just what they ate. Well, they were warriors. And I can guarantee you that, that a warrior who had to fight is not going to eat things that make them slow and fat. Well, in, you know, in it, there's it's supposed to be Alfred the Great as the king of Wessex. And he has stomach issues, apparently, Mm -hmm, and he has to eat gruel, like ground-up grain, and he looks terrible. And that would have been actually historically true, Mm -hmm. that if someone had 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 to eat that, they would have... He kept saying, I need meat. I need some meat. He desired meat. I remember him saying that. He desired meat. And and that's, that's true. So... Um, you just got to keep all that stuff in mind. I just get my, my whole thing went off because my dad's mowing the yard. I know. He has perfect timing. <laughs> it's pretty he funny. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He's out there mowing the yard. So if, so you're, he, if you hear a buzzing in the background, it's not a drone. No one's following you. It's just a lawnmower. <laughs> you never know you these never know. days. <laughs> Those drones that fly over people and say, 
maintain social distancing. <laughs> That's so creepy. All right. So, uh, you know, okay, so we're talking about, you know, people and getting started on the diet. One thing that you really got to explain to them is that um, this, the, the, the process of becoming a diabetic happens uh, a decade, I think it was 10 or 15 years before you actually, you know, become a full-fledged diabetic. Right. Your insulin is all whacked out of control way long before you ever show up as a diabetic. And there's signs, there's little signs. And I, when I look back at my, you know, whole journey, I see the little signs that I completely ignored. And one of those is, is belly fat. Belly fat. Belly fat. So, you know, when you start hitting that over 25 into your early 30s and you're still working out really hard and you feel like you're in shape, but you still have that like belly fat, like why is that there? Well, I, my body was not able to regulate properly, and I'm storing fat when I shouldn't be. Well, and you know, something interesting that we're talking about right now is that fact that if it's insulin that's the problem, the one macronutrient that does not initiate an insulin response is fat. Right, fat so and if, protein. Yeah, if you well, protein can. It can. But fat does not, period. So if you are looking at at it that way and you need to get your insulin under control, then fat is the main macronutrient that you need to be focused on, which would be right in line with a ketogenic diet, where if you're going to measure your food in any kind of app, you're looking at your ratios being about, you know, your diet, it will be 70 to 75%, maybe even 80% fat. And a lot of people are really freaked out about that at first. But um, once you get used to eating that quantity of fat in your diet, you'll find that it's really not that hard because fat is so concentrated. Right. And it's very, very satiating. Like when you eat healthy fats, you feel full for longer periods of time. Yeah. So, and, and you also have to start kind of educating people on that if you have a, a glucose dysregulation, like your, your blood sugar, your body can't regulate it, and they start giving you more insulin, insulin in a high amount is a damaging hormone. Yes, there's no, not really anything good about it at all, period. They're not. And so, and, and again, that's why insulin comes up because it wants to suppress glucose because you can't have high glucose levels, but you also can't have continuous high insulin levels. So, and your body, and the reason you become diabetic is your body's not storing and not responding to insulin well. It's not storing glucose or responding to insulin very well. Right. So now if they're if their solution is just to give you massive amounts of insulin, you're not fixing anything. No, it's it's a it's an already broken system. So what you have to do we talked about this earlier mm-hmm. and I thought this was really funny. Um because you were mentioning the Mayo Clinic and places like that. And how, you know, people are like, well, what? don't you trust the Mayo Clinic? And you were like, uh, no. No, I don't trust him because, and, and here's the deal. And I, I don't want to sound like like I know it all or, you know, I'm just so smart because I'm really not. I just, we, we've done a lot of research on this. If Steve and Melody can take someone that's a diabetic and help them become healthier and get off their medications and, and become not diabetic, why can't the Mayo Clinic do it? It's a mystery. Why can't the Cleveland Clinic do it? Or Johns Hopkins? You know why? Because they don't care. They do not. Now, I say that, and there's going to be some doctors that work there that'll be like, no, I care. Well, man, if you're not fixing people and there's a solution to fix people and you're not following it, then you don't. Well, and the, the whole thing with diabetes right now is really um, an interesting topic in light of COVID-19 because we know that that is a big 
predetermining factor on how maybe someone might respond if they did get COVID-19, um, that it's going to be maybe a worse outcome for someone in that situation. So, and here's the thing, we say obesity, but you can be a skinny diabetic. You can absolutely be a very thin type two diabetic. Yes, you can. It it hundred percent happens. So when you're looking at that and you're looking at just overall health and when we start talking about infectious disease, one thing about infectious disease is if you're already unhealthy, and let's just be real clear, if somebody has diabetes, they are unhealthy. And I think people get afraid to say that. They become afraid of saying that's unhealthy. If your body's not responding to blood sugar or glucose appropriately and you have to take a medication, you're not healthy. So that makes any infectious disease riskier for that person. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have to get that part of our country under control. The bigger epidemic actually is the type 2, type 1 diabetes. And I say type 1 because some people will say, well, you're born with that or kids get that. Well, why do kids get that? It's kind of considered an autoimmune disease. So why does that happen? That's also an unhealthy situation. It shouldn't happen. That's not the way the human body is supposed to work. Right. It's, it's diet related. It's metabolic. Your body attacked itself because of something that happened to you or a food that you were eating that cre- created some weird adverse reaction that killed certain cells. So when we're talking about type 2 and type 1, I like to put this all together because ketogenic diets can be very beneficial for a type 1 diabetic because... A type 1 diabetic requires insulin when they don't make any or they make very little. So the same applies. You want to eat foods that don't require insulin. What food is that? That's going to be your fats. And can you have protein and can you even have carbs? Well, it depends. Um, You know, some people do very well eating the leafy green vegetables and a little bit of fruit and some nuts that have some carbohydrates in them. And some people can't do any of that. And they have to just stay with meat and high, high fat. Um, So when it comes to that, don't don't mistake that we're saying that it's just for type 2 diabetics or type, you know, not for type 1. This really works very well for type 1 diabetics. It does because we've worked with type 1 diabetics who have severely reduced their their requirement for insulin doing mm-hmm. a keto diet. So right. so that, number one, is going to make them healthier because that's less insulin you have to shove in your body. And number two, it's cheaper. It is. It's cheaper on the pocket. Like, so you're going to save a lot of money by not having to purchase a lot of insulin. And, you know, do you have to be type 2 diabetic or type 1 to even do a keto diet? Absolutely not. A lot of people do look at the keto diet as a weight loss diet first because that's how they hear about it. Mm -hmm. They have no idea the health benefits that are going to come with it because when you haven't done it before, you're just not, you're just, A, you're not going to know. And then when you start experiencing the benefits of, oh my gosh, all of my digestive issues went away. That's one of probably, for me, that was one of the most miraculous things that happened within our ketogenic diet and carnivore diet journey is that I don't have bloating and my stomach doesn't get distended feeling when I eat, which always happened, always. And that's one of the biggest things when someone comes from the, the standard American diet and keto is is that how, how do I know when I'm full? Because standard American diet people, they stop when they can't shove anymore in or their pants need to be unbuttoned. That's how mm-hmm. they know they're full. 
on a keto diet or you know a high fat diet, you stop eating when your brain says, "Don't stuff any more food in my mouth. I can't take it." Yeah, and I think that that was really one of the first things that I noticed too is that you don't get that distended belly feeling of fullness. You mm-hmm. get what I call a mental, a mentally full. Like right. you can't, your body just was like, "I'm done. I can't." Don't put any more in. And you don't have a desire to put any more in either. Right. You just are fine with stopping. And so for the person who chronically maybe overeats or has a food addiction, I know a lot of people have talked about keto being bad for food addiction, which I think is just insane and crazy. If somebody has a food addiction, you want to have good neurotransmitters and you want to eat in a way that you don't get overly full and are able to just keep shoving food in. And right. the keto diet is perfect for that. Absolutely. I mean, it does so many uh, great things. When you eat for health, things just fall into place. Yeah. And, um, you know, I guess if you were to sum it up for a new person, you want to stick with animal fats and proteins Leafy, above-ground vegetables if you want to, nuts and seeds sparingly, and the fats. I always just tell people stick with butter, coconut oil, and avocados. That's the easiest way for me to explain to someone how to start Mm -hmm. because those are all safe. They're easy to find. Most people like them. And, you know, it's an, it's kind of like there's three. If you give people more than that, they got to get confused. <laughs> yeah. When, don't come at them like, you know, I do. You can never have bread again. You can never drink alcohol again. And you can never have ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible way to do it, right? That just right there, that will destroy someone's world. And they will they will never want to try eating keto. Now, are, are those true? Uh, yes and no. Initially, you probably want to do your best to not have those things. But down the road... If you know, if you heal your body, eventually you can. You might be able to add those things in, like on the weekend, like maybe yeah, have people, a glass of alcohol, maybe a bowl of a bowl of ice cream. Yeah, some people will, and if they do that, the people who get very far into keto will notice that that food hits them hard and it knocks them for a loop. And oftentimes they swear to themselves and to gods and their God and everybody's mother and father <laughs> that they'll never touch it again. Right. Until because, the next time. Because those foods, even though they're they're desirable, like you feel like you want them, when you eat them, you have a negative uh, you know, health reaction. Yeah. Like I can't drink alcohol. Not because I still have that marketing pull to a beer. Like I still have it. But if I try to drink alcohol, I feel horrible. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And it's the same thing with too much sugar. If I if I was to try to eat a whole bowl of ice cream, like real ice cream, uh, I would probably get sick. Yeah. So I have no desire to do that. Now they'll make that mistake and do it, and then they'll have that violent <laughs> reaction, and which hopefully will discourage them in the future from doing it again. Yeah, and that happens. But and and the next thing that I usually tell someone new, besides the foods to start with, and you know. Usually the biggest thing is removing bread because almost everybody is like surprised that they have to give up bread. But the big thing is that you're not going to be perfect. It's you're going to it's a learning process. Don't be in such a hurry to be 100% perfect. Just take it a meal at a time, not even a day at a time. I try to encourage all of my clients to take it one meal at a time and really focus on that meal and getting the good foods that you need for that meal and start building those good habits. And if you fall off the, you know, the keto train, 
You just hop right back on. Right. It's not all or nothing. That's the thing. You yeah. Can, you can get there in steps. You don't have to like be all in or be all out. Like that's not the way it works. No, there's nobody kicking you out of the keto club. <laughs> you know, like you didn't come with shoes on, so you have to leave. No, that's not that. You didn't wear your mask. Right. You can't come in. Um, yep. No, you can. You're gonna make mistakes. Absolutely. Now, I do want to talk about it real quick before we wrap it up. Um, I read a couple. We had a couple good stories. There was a guy I read about who ran a hundred miles. On no calories, like no food. One hondo. One hondo, just water. That's amazing. And and he's he's you know he's already an ultra runner. He didn't just like get out of bed, decided he was going to run 100 <laughs> miles. But he's a keto guy, and he wanted he wanted for himself to see how it went. He wanted to see because he he rationalized that in his body he had plenty of calories stored in fat to be able to do this. So he was like, why can't I just use those calories and keep going? So that's what he did. And that's amazing because, I mean, first of all, I don't know why anybody wants to run 100 miles, but I don't even want to run two. But, oh, and I, I totally ditched the long run today for something else. I'm doing a whole other program. We have another friend who ran 100 miles this weekend and set another world record. Yeah, so Zach Bitter, who is, we call him a friend, like we don't hang out, but we know him. He's a really nice guy. Um, we're best friends. We're best what are you friends, talking about? basically. Um, he ran 100 miles on a treadmill and set a world record for 100 miles on a treadmill. Okay. More than not wanting to run 100 miles, just in, even in a beautiful place, is not wanting to run 100 miles on a treadmill. Right. Who wants to do that? <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. Except for Zach. That is torture. But he but did it. He tortured himself for like 12 hours. It's crazy. It's amazing. And it's amazing what the human body can do. If you give it the right training and tools and, you know, he's also, he's more carnivore mm-hmm. yeah. and, you know, I don't know what he took in for this run, but I know he usually doesn't take in a lot in the way of uh, anything while he runs either. So it's pretty amazing how your body has all this energy stored. And that's the one thing about keto. People feed themselves a lot. They feed themselves all day long and This just goes to show you can go long periods of time and do a lot of activity without needing to put food in your body because you have a lot of fat stores. Some of us more than others. Well, yeah, that's true. And, you know, we we all have our goals. So, and, you know, you bring that up. And I remember this last week we saw a story about people that were dealing with, uh, you know, the whole COVID thing and uh, food stores. And this one lady was like, "I've, I've I've had to go down to just eating twice a day. Right. And we were like... Wow, we've been eating twice a day for years. Like, it's normal for us. But, you know, it's not normal for everybody. It's not. It becomes a lot more normal when you're eating a higher-fat diet, though, Mm, for sure. Um, But I think that's all we have today for our, like, keto newbie let's rehash the basics. Yeah, so if you know anybody that's starting and they need help, Hey, if you want to point them in our direction, we're more than happy to help. Or if you just have questions, hey, let us know. Yep. All right. Well, hey, I think that wraps it up. So I hope everyone's having a great day. We uh, really appreciate you listening. Yeah. And I hope your dad mowed our yard. So <laughs> since we had to listen to the the yard being mowed, maybe he mowed ours. I'll have to mow it my yard next, I guess. Anyway. Uh, oh, well. All right. You guys have a great day. Go out there, eat fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to The Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. 
Don't forget to send your questions to vtkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.